Hello and welcome back to the We Call It Soccer Show. I'm Walker Manning. Unfortunately, this week I'm not joined by my guy, transfer aficionado, media mogul, Michael Fahey. He's getting shit done in the cash advance world. If you own a small business and you need funding immediately, hit up Parkview Advance, Stanford, Connecticut. Very reliable, very good company, and they'll they'll get you covered. All right. Um, First, I'm going to go through how we did gambling on the weekend. Five for 10 this weekend. Didn't hit the Brighton game on what seemed like some bullshit, but it is what it is. Everton won 2-1 versus Palace for plus money. Chelsea choked 3-3 versus West Brom. Unbelievable that defense is. And Burnley lost to Southampton 0-1. On the 27th, Leeds won 1-0 against Sheffield for plus money. Tottenham only came away with a point against Newcastle, so we lost that one. Leicester 5, Man City 2, bet the over 2.5 for that, so that worked out. Wolves lost 4-0 to zero to West Ham, so obviously lost that one. And then on the 28th, we went 2-2. Two for two. Villa over 2.5, that hit because they won 3-0. And Liverpool took care of business against Arsenal. Now, going to go into the game-by-game breakdowns, tell you what went on, what I thought about those games. First on the list... Man United 3, Brighton 2. On the stat sheet, Brighton dominated. And if you watch the game, Brighton dominated. Uh, 53% possession, more shots, more shots on cage, uh, more big chances created. However, they missed three out of five, and they actually hit the woodwork five times. The game was opened up by a Neil Maupai pen, which ironically, he celebrated with a crying face. Go into why that's ironic later in the game. After that, United scored an own goal off Lewis Dunk, 1-1 in the halftime. Um, second half, Aaron Connolly was not awarded a what I thought was a penalty. Clearly, Lindelof grabbed him, yanked him down, but it is what it is. And then in the 55th minute, Marcus Rashford off an assist from Bruno Fernandez, Peach of a ball, by the way. Marcus just sat Ben White down two times. It was disgusting. It was mean-spirited. It was not right. No need to do that, Marcus, but what a goal by him. And after that, I thought it was done for Brighton because they were just not getting it in the net. They're hitting the post like it was their job. If you hit post and those could be goals, Brighton would be the best team in the Premier League, but it's not how it works. So 90 90 plus fifth minute, Solly Marsh gets in behind in the left for like the 10th time in the game. It seems like he was just living over there because Aaron Wan-Bissaka was dropping back all game, leaving Lindelof on that island. Makes it 2-2, 90 plus fifth, with five minutes of added time. So I'm like, boom, game, done. Double chance, Brighton, hit, whatever. No, not the case. They celebrate for a little too long. It's now the 97th minute of the game, even though 90 plus five is 95, so game should be over. And um, they get a corner. Harry Maguire heads it in. And Neil Maupai, the same man who did the crying celebration, handball, penalty to United after the final whistle of the game, mind you. 90 plus 10th minute. Ridiculous, in my opinion. Bruno Fernandez wins a 2-3 for United. In my opinion, this is an undeserved three points for United. Brighton was clearly the better team. And uh, 
United should not be impressed or encouraged by this win. It was fraudulent. They paid the refs. I, that's all I got to say about that. that. That game just really made me mad, as it should for any Brighton fans. But uh, Brighton looked really good at the end of the day. They have a talented team. Rumors about Tariq Lanthi going on, uh, going to transfer to Bayern. Um, I think he should stay because he's doing so well. It's obviously the best season of his career, but Bayern's a huge club, so he can't be mad if he goes. Next game on the week, Everton 2, Crystal Palace 1. On the stat sheet, Everton dominated possession, more shots, more shots on target, more big chances created, and they got the three points, rightfully so. Um, in the 10th minute, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, man who cannot stop scoring. And then in the 26th minute, Chikui Koyate, off a peach of a ball from Andros Townsend, makes it 1-1. And then... Another handball penalty was called in the 40th minute. Luca Digne. I don't know who he was trying to pick out with this pass. It might have been just a flick up to the man's hand. But Joe Ward gets caught. 40th minute, Richarlison bangs it in. That was all they wrote. James played another great game in an Everton shirt. Man has been on fire for them. Dominic Calvert-Lewin well on his way to the golden boot. And... uh Ancelotti and the boys look good yet again. Sitting in the top three right now, which is very impressive. Very impressive for this team. Much better than I thought I'd do at the end, at the beginning of the year. So let's see if they can hold on to this form. Next game on the weekend was a shocker, to say the least. Uh, we knew Chelsea's defense wasn't all that. But Thiago Silva, who was supposed to be their savior, had an absolutely terrible game. First minute, Callum Robinson scores one. 25th, he makes it 2-0. And by the 27th minute, Kyle Bartley made it 3-0 to West Brom. And at halftime, I'm sitting here like, what the hell is going on? West Brom looked like the most sorry-ass team in the league, and they just hung three on Chelsea in under 30 minutes. But maybe that was too much too soon, because Mason Mount made it 3-1 in the 55th. Callum Hudson-Odoi, who should be playing more as long as Pulisic is out, 3-2 in the 70th, and then Tammy Abraham with the equalizer in added time, which he celebrated all too much for an equalizing goal. Just pick that shit up, run back, go try and get another one. But Chelsea were able to salvage something out of this game and actually dominated possession shots, shots on cage, big chances created, all of that. West Brom only created one big chance, but somehow scored three goals. Crazy upset for them. But on the downside for West Brom, this is a game they should have been able to hold on to the three points, being up 3-0 at the half. I think they'll be disappointed not to get all three out of it. But a point is a point. And uh, for a side that's newly promoted, those come far and few between. So hats off to them. Next game of the weekend, Burnley 0, Southampton 1. Burnley was able to dominate possession shots, shots on cage. However, they did not create any real big chances. They weren't able to get in on goal and create anything dangerous. Southampton was cre- able to create one. And no other than the man, Danny Ings, put it in in the fifth minute. And um, after that, it was all Burnley going at him. Uh, not going to lie, Southampton still didn't look too impressive. That being said, neither did Burnley. 
They're still missing Tarkovsky and Ben Me. Um, this wasn't a real fun game to watch, so not much else to say about that. In the games on the 27th, the first game in the morning was Leeds United 1, Sheffield United 0. Um, this was rather a back-and-forth game. Leeds was able to dominate possession, but Sheffield and Leeds created comparable amounts of shots and shots on cage. Same amount of big chances. Only difference was Leeds put one of their two away. Sheffield missed both of theirs. And um, that ended up being the difference in the game. In the 88th minute, Patrick Bamford, man on fire for my fantasy team. Shout out him. Scored a goal, and it ended up being the winner. I thought Leeds would win this by a more comfortable margin, but nonetheless, three points is three points, and they, right now, are in seventh in the Premier League. What a job by Marcel Bielsa and the boys in Leeds. Another win for them. Next, we had Tottenham 1, Newcastle 1. And if you look at the statistics, you're like, how did Tottenham not win this game and win this game comfortably? 65% possession, 23 shots, 12 on target, four big chances created, and three of them missed. So, I mean, some wonderful saves by, uh, what's this kid's name? Carl Darlow. He made 11 saves seven of which from inside the box. That is absolutely wild. 9-2 match rating. Um, he was pulling saves out of his ass left and right. But nonetheless, Tottenham were up 1-0 for the majority of the game. And um, off a free kick that the boy Josie Mourinho didn't think was a free kick, they uh, sent it into the box. And uh, Andy Carroll gets a head on it, and it grazes off, I think it was, Eric Dyer's hand shoulder area i really didn't see that there was anything that he could do to avoid that and they get a penalty and they put it away one one um i get the consistency on the handball calls and i guess that's okay but this is just like it's it's shameful shit in my opinion it's going against the flow of the game it's robbing teams from points that they should get and um, I think the FA is actually pulling together to have a meeting about this because we're on pace for, I think, 80-something handball penalties over the season. And, and soccer is a game where there's not a lot of goals. And a penalty is usually your most surefire way to score a goal. So if they're getting these calls at the end of games that are deciding games, deciding points, and going to decide where you finish in the table, it's not right. It's daylight robbery. Tottenham deserve three points, but... They, they should have put away their chances. Disgusting penalty call at the end. I'm, I'm not on board with that at all. But um, Josie, if you haven't watched it, his uh, post-game press conference was hilarious. Definitely check that out. <sighs> Next game on the weekend was not a fun watch for me, combined with the Eagles playing for a tie. Uh, Manchester City 2, Leicester 5. Yeah. Um. Riyad Mahrez scored a wonderful goal in the fourth minute of the game. Like, bet. Go off to the races. Let's go. Let's go smack these guys. And then the first penalty call, Kyle Walker gets, I, I don't even know what he's doing. He's an asshole. Um, penalty called on him. Jamie Vardy puts it away in the 37th. And then in the 53rd, wonderful assist from Timothy Castagneda 
Jamie Vardy. Castagne has been amazing for Leicester, by the way. He's bombing up the right. He's a wonderful defensive fullback. Um, he, he's just doing everything on that right side of the pitch. And he's a great ad for him. But good ball in. Jamie Vardy does a cheeky back heel and beats Ederson to the near post once again. Ederson, what are you doing? You're Swiss cheese in that. I, I, I don't know what the hell you're doing out there. Kid sucks. Get Zach Steffen in ASAP. And then in the 58th, <sighs> Mendy gets called for a penalty. 3-1 last term. I'm like, oh, God, this is getting ugly. This is getting ugly. And 77, James Madison, nobody plays him. Nobody at all. Kyle Walker is not even on screen but it was on his side of the pitch. So I don't know what the hell's going on with him. Bangs it in. 4-1 Lester. Off a free kick, Nathan Aki is able to head it in 2-4. And then in the 88th minute, another penalty is called this time on Eric Garcia. 5-2 Lester. This was a this was a really hard watch. It was a really hard watch. Uh, the back line for City was Kyle Walker, Eric Garcia, Nathan Aki, Benjamin Mendy. Uh, you know how I feel about our fullbacks. They're bad. Eric Garcia is a youngin. Aki was probably our best player on the pitch, but when he's constantly getting put in three-on-twos, even four-on-twos, three-on-ones, there's not much else you can ask him to do. My thing is, I know Eric Laporte is a wonderful defender. He's world-class. He's, he's our best defender by miles, but why does everybody else turn into absolute chicken shit when he doesn't play Kyle Walker? What was that penalty? Like what, what was that? It, it wasn't even a sweet move by him. He just, he just got done. Same with Ben Mendy. He was out of position the whole game and then gets a penalty drawn on three out of the four players in our back line had penalties called on them. That's atrocious. That's unacceptable. And I know we got Ruben Diaz coming in, but I don't think that solves our problem in any way because unless we're going to go to a back three and have Mendy and Walker or someone else play as like really right wing backs and left wing backs, then this doesn't solve any of our problems because they're still going to be put on three on twos. Diaz is young. Aki is young. Laporte's still rather young. I don't know if he's the leader that company was. Probably not. And uh, it's, it's really worrying at this point. It's really worrying because we almost choked away that Wolves game at the end. They were creating chances left and right. Leicester came in and absolutely dominated us. And I think Pep's been, Pep's been figured out. Pep's been figured out. He said after the game that he knows that Jamie Vardy is very good at drawing penalties and at the same time, he stands by that they don't practice defending. Why the fuck don't you practice defending? If you know that someone's good at something and you know he's going to do it multiple times a game, why are you not preparing for that exact outcome? It, it shows that we were not prepared. It's tragic. It, Pep's spending budget on defenders alone is $400 million. $400 million for three out of your four players to get penalties called on them just because you're missing your best center back. That's absolutely unacceptable. And what exacerbates the situation is that in the 51st minute, when it was still 1-1, we had a chance. He subs out Fernandinho for Rory Delap's son, Philip. And 
I just don't understand that at all. Fern is our rock in the middle. Rodri's not all that. He can't move like Fern, even though Fern is older than him. Rodri's just, he's not Yaya and he's not prime Fern. So he, he can't do that alone. That just opened up our defense. Lester, hats off to them. They were aggressive, sent runners in behind the whole game, played a nice counterattacking style, and they were able to hang five on City. Um, I'm really worried about this City team. Liverpool is just getting better and better. They look hungrier than last year. And we predicted City to win the league comfortably. Doesn't look like that's going to happen. Um, it doesn't even look like we might get second place by a wide margin at this rate. These are games that we should win, that we should dominate because of the amount that Pep is spending. And uh, I hate to say it, he's, a, he's looking like a fraud. He's looking like a fraud because he spent more than any other manager under, this, under his tenure at City. And that Pellegrini team that he inherited is almost from the, mostly gone now. It, these, are, these are all his signings, all his moves, all his development. Looks like a bunch of shit on the field, to be honest. This is, this is very worrying. And unless we make some major moves in the market, which I doubt that'll happen because it's about to close in three days and we just signed Diesh. I don't know if that's the answer. I, I think if Pep doesn't win the Premier League or the Champions League this year, he needs to get out. He did, that's enough of him. We need a new voice in the locker room. It, it kind of seems like he doesn't care, and I get that. There's bigger things than soccer out there, for example. His mother passed away from COVID-19. Rest in peace. But if, if you're not into it, I feel like he should take a step back, take a sabbatical, and uh, have some time away from football because this, this what's happening right now is just not cutting it. Next game on the weekend, West Ham 4 Wolves, no. I thought Wolves would come out with this game comfortably, but Gerard Bowen was an absolute wrecking ball. Uh, Wolves defenders were caught out left and right. Uh, they were missing... Oh, they weren't missing anybody. It was Roman Sice, Cody, and Bali, the back three that they want. Tomato was making runs up. Adama started. This is a full Wolves team, and they got absolutely battered. Um... They controlled possession, but other than that, they didn't create any big chances. They had less shots, less shots on target. And West Ham was just absolutely the better team on the day. And uh, West Ham's issue in the past has been that they can't finish these chances that they get. And it seemed like anybody who was shooting the ball for them was putting that thing in the back of the net. Even Sebastian Allaire, nice, nice late goal in the 90 plus third, but they really mean anything, but it was a beautiful header. They, they, they look clinical out there. And if this is how West Ham is going to play, then maybe they, they slide up in that mid-table range. Wolves, um, they're looking like a mixed bag this year. You don't know what you're going to get with them. And uh, ho hopefully they gel more as the season goes on. But Semedo and Vinegar on the left uh, don't look too hot right now. They don't look too hot. Good win by West Ham. Four to no surprising result, but live and you learn. Next on the weekend, Fulham zero, Aston Villa three. Um, Jack Grealish was made, able to make it one zero early in the game, fourth minute. 
Then they doubled up with Connor Herhane in the 15th. Tyrone Mings made it 3-0 on a wonderful finish. It wasn't really a defender's goal. He slid in, tapped it in, 3-0. It was nice. And uh, on the stat sheet, Fulham dominated possession, took more shots, but less on target. And uh, Villa created four big chances, only missed one as compared to Fulham zero. And that's why they won 3-0. I was really impressed with Villa this game. Um, They're a wonderful counterattacking team. Grealish running down the left. He, he's burning people with his pace. He's a physical player. Uh, he picks out passes well, and he's a good finisher. Uh, that team goes as he goes. And um, Ollie Watkins, though, he is worrying me a little bit. He had chances after chances, and uh, he didn't put away any of them. But if he can find form and join the rest of this Villa team and how they're playing – they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. They're going to upset a lot of teams, and I could see them finishing mid-table. Last game on the weekend, wonderful game to watch. It really was. Liverpool 3, Arsenal 1. Lacazette opened up the scoring on the 25th, and then not three minutes later, Sadio Mane made it 1-1, and in the 34th, Andy Robertson made it 2-1. And after that, it really felt like it was Liverpool's game. Jota scored in the 88th, even though he had the same shot, to be honest, like three times before that. He probably should have scored before. Um, and Liverpool just just dominated the game. They were the better team. 66% possession, 21 shots to four, eight on target to three. They created four big chances to two. And um, they, they were just the better team on the day. Uh, Jota being added to that front line for Liverpool, it's kind of unfair He's a really, really good player. If you guys watched uh, Liverpool Arsenal, they matched up again in the in the Carabao Cup. Arsenal was able to beat them in penalties, but if Jota could put away his chances a little better, that was Liverpool's game. He he is a wonderful player, just adding depth to an already massively scary Liverpool team. And uh, uh, I hate to say it as a city fan, but they are the best team in the premier league and it's not even fucking close. It it looks like they're going to run away with it again this year. And that's, that's scary to say because I thought that they were going to drop off in terms of their hunger, their desire to keep grinding out these results every year, week in, week out, but they look better than they did last year. And uh, this is going to be their league by like 20 points if this keeps up. So that does it for what we bet on the games last weekend. A little bit over 5% on bankroll, breaking even. So that's always good. Didn't lose money, but we're trying to win serious money here. So let's go into the preview for next week. First game on the week, Chelsea taking on Crystal Palace. I mean, Chelsea has won five in a row against this Palace team. Uh, I really... I. Although I respect Palace as a team, I can't see Chelsea dropping points two weeks in a row, especially after an impressive cup tie with a relatively full-strength Spurs team who was better than this Palace team, for sure. Um, I'm going to go Chelsea money line in this one. 
mainly because our boy, Captain America, the baby Jesus himself, is back in the 18. He's probably not going to play. If, if he does, it's as a sub. Um, but I feel like his presence alone is just good things for Chelsea. Right now, Palace is above them in the table. Uh, it doesn't stay that way, I don't think. I think Chelsea gets the win here. Um, if I had to go for goals, I think over two and a half is probably a good bet. 2-1, I could see it either way. But I, I really think Chelsea gets this done this week. Next game on the weekend, we have Everton taking on Brighton. This is going to be a good game, people. This is going to be a very good back-and-forth game. Everton still hasn't lost. Brighton got absolutely hoed out of two points. No, out of three points last week. So I I think they're going to come out firing. But I can't see Everton losing this game i'd back them on the double chance but more than more than anything in this game i like over two and a half goals it seems like it's this kind of league i think everton's gonna score i think brighton will get on the board at least once and uh, i think everton wins this game like two one three one so everton money line or over two and a half whichever you guys like better next up Leeds United versus Manchester City. Oh, God. I mean, lineups, lineups, lineups. If, if there's no Laporte, if there's no Ruben Diaz, if Pep starts fucking Philip Delap up front, we're, we're going to lose this game. But we shouldn't lose this game. We really, really shouldn't lose this game. We should smack them up, but... I'm I'm scared to bet on Man City, so I'd go over two and a half in this game. There's definitely going to be goals. I'll tell you that. Whoever wins this game, there's going to be goals. Um, if you want to get frisky with it, put some money on the Leeds money line or double chance because if Leeds is on their day and we come out with the bullshit that we did last week, uh, we're going to lose. We're going to lose, and it's going to be embarrassing. But much like us, Leeds fullbacks don't play too much defense. Everybody, it's it's going to be a fun game to watch. Everybody's going to be bombing upfield, back and forth, back and forth. Unless Leeds come in and pack it in. I don't think they're going to do that. I think that's not in their DNA. The teacher versus the master. Vicella, Marcelo Bielsa versus Pep Guardiola. Let's see who comes out on top. Definitely over two and a half goals, though. Next game on the weekend. This is going to be a shitty game to watch. Absolutely. We got Newcastle taking on Burnley. Newcastle lucked out for a point, so they should be feeling themselves. They should be feeling lucky about this. And Burnley got smacked down by City 3-0 in the League Cup in midweek. Tarkovsky's back, though. Nick Pope should start. Dwight McNeil, Chris Wood, all healthy. Uh, Under two and a half is my favorite bet for the game. But again, I'm going to go with the Burnley double chance on it if I'm feeling frisky. Burnley... Have zero points. They need to pick up points, and they will pick up points eventually. Newcastle is a game where I think they got it. Last season, Burnley won one, and they drew one, one zero, no no. In their last six matchups, there's only been over two and a half once. So I think I'm going to go with that if anything. But I definitely lean Burnley in this game. I think they're the better team, and Newcastle won't get bailed out two weeks in a row. Maybe they will. Maybe they will. Maybe people are going to start flicking handballs all the time 
it's it's super sad to see, but it is what it is at this point. Next game of the weekend, the first team in the Premier League table put five on my team, Man City. We got Leicester City taking on West Ham United. Going Leicester all the way. Even though West Ham had an impressive game last week, Leicester is going to be full of confidence. They just knocked five past Man City, a team that they usually have no business being on the pitch with. So got to hit that Leicester money line, man. They're, they're going to, I think they're going to come out and win. They pulled the double over West Ham last season. And I think they'll do it again this season. Leicester money line all the way. Next game on the weekend. Ooh, this is tough. Southampton versus West Brom. Um, I'd like to say Southampton gets three points out of this because they, they are the better team. And West Brom is a team that they should be able to play their style against, pass it around the back, really break down, break them down eventually. Um, that being said, Colin Robinson is a man on fire. There's a prop bet for him to score, I'd take it, but I like Southampton in this game. Next game on the weekend, Arsenal at home, Sheffield United. Arsenal all the way. I hate to say it. I really do. This pains me on a human level. Arsenal look really, really good. Uh, I'd even go to say that they look better than City in this first part of the Premier League. They, they definitely look like they're a team that's poised to finish in at least a Europa League spot, probably in a top four spot if they take if they keep going with this. They look better than United. They look better than City. The only teams look better than them, probably Leicester, Everton, and Liverpool. But Arsenal is looking like a really, really good team, and they're going to take it to Sheffield, and they're going to win this game. Arsenal money line all the way. Next game on the weekend, Wolves versus Fulham. Fulham, zero points. Wolves, three points. They've lost two out of three games. They need to pick up points here. And that being said, they will pick up points here. I think Wolves know the severity of the situation they're in. This is not how you can start a season and expect to finish well. I think they're going to come out firing. I don't know how many goals they score, but I think they will get the three points in this game. Wolves money line all the way. And uh, historically, it's a bit of a mixed bag. But when Wolves are at home, they have won one, two, three, Four out of the last five Wolves have won when they played Fulham at home. And the worst result they had was actually a draw, 1-1 with Fulham. So I like Wolves' money line there. Next game on the weekend. Ooh-wee, this one's going to be good. Man United versus Tottenham. Jose Mourinho versus Ali's Tricky Reds. Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, United is always lineup dependent. I think that United take this game, at least take a point out of this game, just because um, Tottenham has had a lot of games recently. They've already played two games midweek since they uh, drew 1-1 with Newcastle. Harry Kane played the whole game in their 7-2 battering of some bumblefuck-ass team in the UEFA qualifier. So you got to think rest is a factor in this. United midweek. JV team versus JV team versus Brighton. They won 3-0, so that's impressive. Ali, after the game, he still said there's a lot wrong with the team. They don't press well. They don't finish well. They got to get back better. And uh, against a tired and somewhat pedestrian Spurs teams at time, I think that they're going to get a result. If anything, if, I, if, I, if you don't want to go with a winner, 
I'd pick over two and a half goals because that's what type of league this is. I'm leaning Man United, but I'll probably just hit the over two and a half. I could see 2-1 either way, to be honest. I think both teams score, and uh, probably United gets out on top due to rest. Not to take anything away from the Spurs team. They, they're grinding out results in every competition they're in. So hats off to Josie and the boys. But maybe you see a Riley Hill debut in the Premier League. That would be nice to see. Um, last game on the weekend, second versus fourth. But you would be surprised what teams those are. Second is Liverpool, and fourth in the Premier League is Aston fucking Villa. That being said, this is their reality check, much like Arsenal last week. Villa can be as good as they want, but they are not beating this Liverpool team. Liverpool is hungry, they're angry, and they're going to beat the shit out of everyone they play. Liverpool money line all the way. Don't even think about it. Liverpool gets the three points this week for sure. And those are my picks for the weekend. You heard it here first. Let's make this money this week. Last but not least, though, we are going to talk about our boys in the red, white, and blue. First off, going to start off with our man Weston McKinney playing alongside Cristiano Ronaldo in a 2-2 draw against Roma. Rabio got sent off in the 62nd minute. So... Weston wasn't around for that. Maybe they should have kept him on the field a little longer. He played 58 minutes, 92% passing. That's good to see. Two for two on long balls. Good to see. Uh, didn't lose possession much. Had a clearance. Uh, he did okay. He did okay, to be honest. Not, not really anything to write home about, but he started another game for them. So that's always cool to see. And uh, we we think that he's going to, hold down that spot. So look to see him get more experience, maybe get some goals in there. But for him to just be starting for Juventus, that's uh, that's wonderful to see in and of its own. Next up, we got our boy Tyler Adams starting once again for RB Leipzig in a 1-1 draw with Bayer Leverkusen. This was a very back-and-forth game. And uh, Tyler Adams picked up a yellow card, so that's always good to see. Love some dirty tackles in a soccer game. It's always nice, but he didn't play too well, to be honest. Only 71% passing. You don't want that from your quote-unquote quarterback on the field. Lost possession 11 times. Had a few interceptions, tackles, and clearances, but at the end of the day, not his best game. Not, not, not Le- Leipzig's best game. And unfortunately, Poulsen went down, so... Uh, Maybe that team suffers a little bit, losing their number one striker. Now that Timo Werner is gone. Next on the week, we had Josh Sargent holding down his spot, bagging an assist in Werder Bremen's 3-1 win over Schalke. Not saying too much because Schalke is an absolute fucking mess. Good thing Weston McKinney got out of there. 7-4 match rating, three shots on target. He missed one chance, so he really could have had a goal and an assist. But he had three key passes playing down that left wing. And I don't think that's where he's going to play for Team USA. But good job by Joshi. Getting a stat on the board and uh, holding down that starting spot. Now, the next American was part of an embarrassing result. 2-0, Augsburg won against Borussia Dortmund. 
our boy Baby Jesus Jr., a.k.a. Gio Reyna, a.k.a. the best thing since sliced bread, uh, played the whole 90, 85% passing, three key passes, 100% on long ball, 7-3 match rating. So really he didn't play too bad. Um, but Dortmund just wasn't up to it that day. They, he, he should have – people should have put away his chances. <clears throat> Erling Holland, you know, missed a big chance. Sancho missed a big chance. So when your strikers aren't doing it for you and you have three key passes, I don't really think it's your fault. Nonetheless, embarrassing result from them and not something to write home about. But the best news in American soccer, Serginho Dest to Barcelona, the next Danny Alves. It's amazing to see him playing alongside Messi. And with the Champions League draw, all us soccer fans are going to see the best rivalry in the history of the sport reignited. Juventus and Barcelona are in the same Champions League group yet again. We're going to get to see them play twice in the group stage, possibly again in the knockout rounds if they make it to the final. Who knows? But uh, this is just awesome to see. Another American in another big club. The future's looking really, really bright for us. And uh, I hope that he gets into that 11 soon. Maybe in two years' time, you see the whole right side of Barcelona being locked up by the U.S. of A. This is just amazing, amazing stuff. Stuff of dreams. If you told me this five years ago, I was like, get the fuck out. No way. No way in hell. But... That is that is just wonderful, wonderful news for us. And uh, we wish the best luck as Eugenio Dest at Barcelona. As I said before, not going to go into transfer news. That's Fahey's department. And there's a lot of news to cover. So we're going to have a packed show for you next week. Thank you for tuning in to episode four of the We Call Soccer Show. See you guys later. I don't even really need to talk this to focus. I'm just trying to get rid of the locusts, you know.